listeners, thank you for coming back for the third episode of Spontaneous Instruction with me, Wendy Tenego. Today I want to talk more about the concept behind this podcast, because I know the idea of teaching without planning first will rub teachers and leaders the wrong way. Now, I don't think we should go into a class or a meeting unprepared but I do think we need the freedom to go with moments that present themselves and cut ourselves some slack on the planning end if we are engaging in group dynamics that tend to change and be difficult to plan for. Now again, there's a difference between being prepared in the more general sense and having a completely planned lesson in the specific sense. Being generally prepared is a must, which means you need to know the basics of teaching adults. But these basics pretty much boil down to the following elements. Meaning, motivation, and meta skills. When I say meaning, I'm talking about putting everything in a real life practical context that will enable learners to see how language will help them communicate. It means taking grammar rules out of the workbook or textbook and illustrating them in a real conversation or showing learners how English speakers break the rules all the time. It means teaching people what they most want and need to know given their life situations. When I say motivation, that's obviously not something you can teach, but it's something to discover and uncover in your students and help them build on. Why are they learning English? Where do they see themselves in five years? What areas of life do they want to develop in and why? Establishing motivation will not only help you figure out what to teach, but it will also help your students monitor their own learning and reward themselves. Speaking of monitoring their own learning, the third element I mentioned before is meta-skills, which is short for metacognitive skills. And this is where students become aware of their learning strategies, the how I learn best skills, the learning how to learn. And this is where older learners have such an advantage over younger learners. Older learners have hopefully already developed their own successful methods of learning new information. They know their learning style, they've developed strategies for memorizing, and they've seen successes in different methods of getting and responding to feedback. With those three elements always behind your lessons, whether planned or unplanned, you can be sure to have an effective lesson. There will be many times when adult learners will come into a class with some major life issues going on, and a simple check-in with people at the start of class could determine the direction of the class based on these issues. Actually, because I'm a mom of three living abroad as a foreigner, I often have things weighing on my mind that prevent me from being fully present in class, unless and until I share them openly in class and make room for a discussion about the realities of life and the places we all need support in. When I get vulnerable as the teacher and share about situations I may need help with, I usually find my students nodding in agreement, ready to share their own similar experiences. From there, we can talk about language use in a real, meaningful context that we are highly motivated to get a handle on, and the strategies we can develop and use to not only deal with communication needs, but just to deal with life in general, the meta-skills.
So last week I told you I'd prepared a bag of realia, which means real, tangible things that you bring in to enhance the connection between the classroom and the real world. But guess what? In the chaos of running late for school, I left the bag at home on the morning I was to teach my class. So once my students arrived and I checked in with them, I decided to go ahead with the object lesson I had planned, which was to generate descriptive vocabulary for tangible objects and then map the words onto a three-column chart to show how they changed form going from an adjective to a noun to a verb. So, for example, I was going to have them all hold and stretch my rubber exercise band and say, this band is stretchy, this band can stretch, this band has a lot of stretch or stretchiness to it. But since I left my bag of stuff at home, I had to use what was already in my purse or actually on my person. I was wearing a long gray sweater and some stretchy pants at the time, so we started with that. And then I was able to ask them questions that could be answered with predictable structures, only substituting the specific descriptive vocabulary. So what do you wear that's stretchy? Or what do you wear that's gray, etc. For the next class, two days later, I tried bringing in magazines for them to look through to find examples of the descriptive vocabulary I was teaching them. Okay, I meant to bring in magazines but forgot, so I quickly dashed to the school library and borrowed some. But I found that my students spent too much time flipping through the magazines and not enough time talking and creating language. So the following week, I went back to using what I was wearing and what I had in my bag. Now this turned out to be meaningful because A, my students see each other on campus a lot and like to comment on each other's appearance. B, when they go shopping, they need to know specifically how to describe what they're looking for. And see, they tended to know the adjective I was using, but not know how to use that root word as a different part of speech. Now, they were motivated for this activity because they want to be able to construct more complex sentences with different parts of speech. And I told them ahead of time that touching real objects is a good way to connect knowledge to the real world, so we developed our metacognitive skills as well. After a while, I realized the class was feeling too teacher-centered. I was at the whiteboard giving the word forms and providing the question and answer structures, and the students were engaged, but quiet. So I acted on a thought I'd had the night before, but hadn't had the chance to fully flesh out. I paired the students up and asked them to create a mind map, which is just a visual way of mapping out information. I like to use mind maps for vocabulary because you can group related words together rather than listing them in a column. So like today, I put the word senses in a circle in the middle of the board. Remember, model everything first. And then I drew five lines radiating outward, ending in their own circle. Then I elicited responses from students about the five senses. Like I started by giving them the word hearing and soon they were saying things like touch, seeing, smell, taste, and these words each went in the five circles. From there, I wanted them to generate descriptive words that related to each of the five senses with their partner. And those words can just come out with lines like a spider from each of the circles. Now, this gave more meaning to the activity because they had to effectively communicate with a partner. And then, after a bit of brainstorming together at their table, I had them come up to the board to write their words on the big mind map so the words were shared with other groups. This gave each group motivation to keep coming up with more words. 
I then used those student-generated adjectives to show patterns on how the related verbs and nouns were formed. So for example, they came up with words like bright, dark, soft, hard, sweet, etc. These are pretty basic vocabulary words that they all knew already, but I was able to show them how they all followed similar patterns for nouns by adding the suffix N-E-S-S, -S, so you'd get brightness, darkness, sweetness, and for verbs, you'd add the suffix en for things like brighten, darken, sweeten. Now, by the way, before we did this, I told them why mind maps are useful, which has to do with mirroring the way our minds make networked connections rather than linear connections. And I also told them it's good when learning something new to start by identifying what you already know, so there are essentially pegs to hang the new information on. So we again developed the meta skills. And this activity got them talking with each other more, asking more questions, and so we were able to end with a more student-centered approach. I know that in the last episode I said I would talk about fluency versus accuracy, but let's save that for next time. For now, remember the three M's, meaning, motivation, and meta-skills. You can be prepared and still be spontaneous as an instructor or leader. And often with older learners, they'll have challenging questions that will lead you down a path you never expected. And those paths usually turn out to be interesting, memorable, and very practical.